Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. And I felt a presence. And I'll never forget the feeling I got when I walked away. Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. Wind out of nowhere. All of a sudden we're dragging anchor. The rain is coming. The owner's on board. You won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. I wanted off that merry-go-round. And that day, it was just like that. I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. If I think, would I ever trade what I have today? Not in a million years and I'm not rich but I'm rich in my soul inside the universe a podcast coming to you from the corner of fringe and Maine. Hi there and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron-Reed, and joining us today, oh my God, I'm so excited, is a renowned super yacht captain with over 30 years of international maritime experience, Captain Sandy Yawn. Captain Sandy is a leader and businesswoman who broke through the proverbial glass ceiling to achieve the highest status in an industry where women at the helm are rare. Not only has she earned distinguished and heroic accolades from the Super Yacht Society, but for the last 15 years, and I'm sure you all already know this, she's been a series lead on Bravo's hit TV show, Below Deck. And more recently, she's become a member of the Hay House family. Yippee! Her book is called Be the Calm or Be the Storm. And we are so lucky to have her here with us today. Welcome to the Wooniverse, Captain Sandy. Thank you for inviting me. And I am just blown away that I'm here because for so many years, I was the storm before I learned how to be the calm. And I'm just happy to sit here with another Hay House author and banter. Yes. And we have many things in common, which we will touch on today. Anyway, listen, we love to have a good backstory and I want to start at the beginning. Let me ask you about relationship between you and your higher power. Did you have one you when you were a kid? Did you have a sense that there was more? Yes. You know, I was in second grade. We were forced to go to church just to get out of our parents' hair. It wasn't to like get close to God. It was like, go, you know, let us have a Sunday. And it was a Baptist church, Southern Baptist church in Florida. And I remember going to this Sunday school, which I loathed and didn't know why. And then this lady prayed with me and I felt a presence. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the feeling I got when I walked away. And I think that was my very first connection with a higher power. I'm sure it lived in me until I was in second grade. And then I knew yeah. in that moment, there was something bigger than me that made me feel safe. You know, it's wild. I think about grade two, in, that's in Canada, that second grade, I'm seven years old. And that was when I first saw my Scottish nanny, Mrs. Kelly, read playing cards, like she was, she was a psychic. But I remember also at Sunday school, right? So we were Anglicans and I had to go to Sunday school too, but I loved it. And somebody prayed with me too. It was very similar. It was seven years of age when I really got that there was something greater. And for me, it showed up also with Mrs. Kelly, with the card readings, because I could see the energy shift, but it was at Sunday school for me as well. Like, And then I really got into church because I thought, ooh, something really amazing is here. And I'd look at the halos around the saints in the church because I saw auras around everybody. And then I just thought that meant everybody was holy. But anyways, this shows about you not me, but it's just interesting that we both had the seven-year-old. What a gift, but that's such a gift. Well, I'd rather be a super yacht captain some days. <laughs> yes, that's that's fascinating, but that's such an awesome gift. I didn't have that experience. Like I just had, like yours sounds amazing. I didn't continue to go to church. Um, in fact, after that experience, it was like, wow, I felt so safe. Like I didn't need to go back. And so I played in the ditch with my cousin because we didn't want to go to Sunday school. And so we played through Sunday school and then got back on the bus. Um, but I did have that feeling, but then I felt like, yes, I could conquer the world. It was really fascinating. Ooh, so let's talk about that because I really believe that when we are finally touched by spirit, that is true. That because we are made 
of that source energy with a capital S, spirit, higher power, it's in us. So I love that you said that, I could conquer the world. That's exactly what I was looking for, was that sense of beyond. You know, me, I kept going back because I thought I'd find something there. And that's also typical. We look for something outside of ourselves to connect us to spirit, but you can find it in a ditch and through play, knowing that I could conquer the world. That's amazing. When did you start fantasizing about being a boat captain? Because that's a very specific thing to grow up and do. You know, I never really did fantasize about it because I grew up with an alcoholic mother. So addiction ran rapid in my family. My uncle, like, it was a chaotic uh, life because I never really felt safe because I saw the, what addiction does to a family, um, that my safe place was in my soul, Mm -hmm. in my spirit, and playing as a child. And I just always felt like I was meant for something more, but not on a conscious level. I can't explain it. I get it. And so I traversed through life, you know, and then at the age of uh, 13 was the first time I had my first experience with drugs and alcohol. And that's when I got on that merry-go-round. And then at the age of 17 is when I multiple arrests, jails, institutions at that point where I learned that there was a 12-step program and I didn't have to live that way anymore. But I never lost. I felt unworthy to look at the sky. It was really weird when I started using. I never felt worthy to look at the clouds anymore. Um, Mm. I couldn't look up. It was wild. Like I didn't feel worthy. And then after I was introduced to the 12-step program through the court system, it wasn't by choice, I then knew that there was a a way out of this addiction that grabbed a hold of my spirit and dimmed my light and made me feel unworthy. Mm. And I felt hopeless. And I felt all those things that I never felt as a kid. Um, Well, I was still a kid at that point. Um, But yeah, and then I knew. And then at the age of 25 is when all those years in between, chaos, destruction, jails, institutions, that 25 years young, I realized that I wanted off that merry-go-round. And that day, August 29th, 1989, was when I felt worthy to look at the sky again. It was just like that. And my little light turned back on. Oh. It was awesome. Isn't that something? So we obviously share this. Um, I got clean and sober when I was 26. And uh, when I hit bottom, I would say I hit bottom because actually I got clean and sober January 2nd, 1986. And I was in my 27th year, even though I was still 26. So I, I understand what you mean about not being worthy to look at the sky. I think a lot of people could identify with this, even if they aren't addicts, you know, about feeling that low sense of self-worth, given that our society, you know, has become so polarized and so un- so unsafe and uncertain right? And then, you know, so many restrictions imposed upon people and ideas about who we're supposed to be and Instagram, you know, like, look at these kids who don't, can't be like that. You know, these fake, fake looking lives that that no one can actually meet. So I I really get that low self-worth, you know, is such a huge, huge way to hit bottom. Mm -hmm. And then not being able to look at the sky and then being able to look at the sky. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that's an amazing moment. Yeah. So did you have any dreams or was it you just found yourself around boats? Because, you know, was there an affinity for water or was it just that you were spiraling out and then one day, you know, at 25, you got clean and sober and then life began to open up for you. And obviously this, I believe this is your destiny. I believe your destiny came to get you because I believe that happens to us in 12-step programs. I've been clean and sober 37 and a half years. I know exactly what you, right? Yes. It comes for you. You you can't actually decide. Side. Right, exactly. So tell me how it came for you Yeah, and and how, what recovery did. Yeah, yeah. so water uh, was always a connection. I'm a Pisces, right? So I am, I grew up in Florida, right? So we were always at the beach, water skiing. We had small boats. Uh, I, back and forth, my parents divorced very young. I think it was like seven or eight years old. And summers with my dad on the lake uh, in Florida and then the beach. But yeah, I, I was in addiction. My Honestly, what I wanted to, when I was using, was live in Key West and flip-flops, 
shorts and a tank top for the rest of my life and smoke pot because I never thought I'd live past 21. <laughs> and who thinks yeah, like that? I get it. An addict, you know? So I when I did live past 21, that's yeah. when I was like, wow. You know, when I got clean, destiny found me and I'll never forget it. Like I uh, went to vocational rehabilitation, which is a program yep. where they sent me to school. They never tried uh, sending anyone to become a dive instructor before, like water related. So I convinced ah. them to do that. And I got certified and I wow. didn't actually work as a dive instructor. I decided uh, I was off. I answered, I needed to get a job to pay all my fines to get my driver's license back. And I answered an ad in the newspaper uh, that was washing boats. So I started washing boats, and next thing you know, I did washing su- boats. Yes. All right. Yeah. So the guy offered me a full time job, and I was like, "Sure," you know. And he sent me to sea school. He invested in me, and I, because I was sober and grateful, and I could appreciate a sunset, and I was just so happy. Like you know that song, you can't touch this. That's how I felt about you couldn't touch my spirit anymore because no matter what, you couldn't yeah. dim my light. Because I found, <laughs> yes, because I I found a right. solution, right? And I had a sponsor, <laughs> and I was working the steps, and I was like on fire, and yeah. I was working in the sunshine, you know, exercise, yeah. washing I a love boat. It. Can't touch this. Yeah, and it was so cool. And he offered me a job and sent me to sea school, and I was like, wow, this could be a career. It's like doing, <laughs> you know. And then the path just opened up with the work, right? So the path didn't open up and it was equal, right? So the work, the road just kept, I just kept walking, you know, and you know what it's like, we get sober, we're like, just give me a sign, you know, something, just please give me the instruction book to life and how to do this. But it was just, my sponsor goes, wake up, get ready for, take a shower, eat breakfast, get ready for work, go do your job, come home, go to a meeting, say thank you get on your knees and say, thank you and go to bed. And I would call my sponsor and say, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, go to sleep, say thank you and go to sleep. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock at night, you know, and it worked. And, you know, and that was my path to becoming a captain. Really. It was the work I did in recovery coupled by the opportunities that were kept unfolding for me because I kept doing the next right thing. And, and someone believed in me because they saw the potential in me. And then boom. Right. So when you say the work, you're referencing the 12 steps. So what do they mean to you? So like, I really believe in this, the spiritual life is the primary life. Like, I believe that that's just been that, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. there is no life without the spiritual life. Yeah. This is in my experience. Tell me it from your experience. Like, what does it feel like to you? What does it mean to you, you know, to have this? And how has your intuition clicked on as a result of it. The 12 steps are the reason I'm here today. And the work is in the 12 steps and my connection with a higher power, my spiritual life, right? Because without that, I have nothing. Mm -hmm. And my sponsor, I'll never forget. She said, I want you to write one feeling of each step. The first step was hopeless. Like I didn't feel hopeful. Right. Um, And then it was... I, the second step for me was I felt out of control, like how I felt. Mm-hmm. The third was I didn't feel connected. Yeah. So I had to write one feeling, which was really great because I, I needed that simplicity. And then after that, we built on that. So right. how did I become hopeful was I admitted I had a problem and that I wasn't the solution. Yeah. <laughs> it was my connection, you know, that if I continued... And that's what I did. And I had someone hold my hand because it takes people to help us through this, right? We can't do it on our own. Even though I had this connection and I felt like I could conquer the world, I needed someone to help me and to lay out the perimeters. And I had all this stuff that I did wrong in my past. And I had another sponsor And I'll never forget, she sat me down and she goes, we're making restitution to all these people. And I had this furniture I never intended paying for. I went to that furniture store. I sat in front of that manager and I said, sir, I can only pay you $5 a week. And I paid it off. 
and I paid $5 a week. And that feeling of restitution that I had by doing the right thing and paying off my debt was incredible. And, you know, Leah's really um, grew up in the religious world of organized religion. And some of the things she says is so profound. I'm like, oh my God, I did that. Like, that says that in the Bible? And I was like, because I never really read the Bible. And she goes, yeah. And I was like, that's part of the 12 steps. It was like really fascinating. And my connection with a higher power is daily, momentarily sometimes when I just want to feel that connection and direction, Mm -hmm. it really works because you have those moments in life. And um, those 12 steps led me to that and the sponsor I had because I could have never done the 12 steps without someone in my life that had worked them before in that direction. And I had a sponsor that said to me, find other people, work them differently, try them with other people because not one person has all the answers. Oh, and I'm so glad that that happened. Like I had to go to therapy also. So I've did a lot of different things outside of the 12 steps as well to make sure that I, you know, I had a really severe anxiety issue also. And I still have once in a while, I just really manage it well, but it's also like an addiction. I realize like some days I'm powerless, you know, I'm, this is a sign I'm disconnected connected. I have to turn it over, you know, like, where do I need to take a look at my part in it? Like, you know, cause sometimes I don't know if you still do the weekly inventory. I still do that. The inventory for me is like really, really crucial. Like, am I on track still? What do I need to clean up? And I, and I love that you talked about the restitution piece. I, I also had a, I had a coat that the, this woman, I never paid her for it. And uh, I had gone through treatment and I was like beside myself, I needed to pay this woman, right? So I, but I had the money to pay her. So I went and found her and I, I went right to her and I basically told her the truth. I said, listen, you know, I was a cocaine addict and, you know, I, I took advantage of you. And I told the absolute truth. And I said, I, I really am sorry. And I want to pay you plus bank interest because I calculated everything she would have lost. And she looked at me and had this look on her face that it was like, so I thought she was going to hit me. She looks like it all screwed up. But what it was is she was, cry- she was about to cry. And then she grabbed me and said, you have restored my faith in humanity. And then told all the people in the room that I was this ex-addict that <laughs> <laughs> came with money. It was so crazy. And you know, for every year, for a few years, she sent me a brand new coat every year. Wow. As a gift. So like, you don't know. I mean, I didn't expect anything, right? But it was like, we don't realize how we impact people, right? right? Like when when something really serious is there. And, and, but it's also, I don't know if you learned this too, but I used to think I had to apologize for everything, right? And I had to really discern what was my part, right? right? That a, the program actually taught me that too, because I was willing, I had such low self-worth. I just figured I was the cause of anything yes. bad, right? Yes. I, was, I don't know if you felt like yes, that too, I- but eventually I had to say like, wait a sec, I cannot apologize to that man who punched me in the face because I made him angry. Wow. No. Did that happen? Right, because that actually happened. <laughs> oh my goodness. That yes, happened. that was- Oh yeah, that happened to me. Yeah. We learn to take the right kind of responsibility. And when people project on us, that's not always ours. That's right. Own. Yeah. So that's when you have those moments where you're unclear, but you think, well, that I don't, I didn't really do anything wrong. That's when you have this other person. For me, it was my sponsor that says, no, that's not your fault. However, let's look at your part. Yeah. Right. So although it wasn't my fault, I always had to look at my own behavior. I never yeah. were taught not to look at the other person's behavior, but yes. our own. Something um, you triggered in me was uh, when about the coat. Uh, when we do things that are, we know are wrong, it stays with us. It lives in us and yeah. it takes away from our life. It really does. And mm-hmm. when agree. we make restitution or an amends, even if it's a you cheated on someone or you cheated with someone, um, making that restitution or amends really... Uh, helps, but there's in our steps it says except when to do so when injure them or others. Right, you really have or to others. take a look at that. Right, am I doing this to clear my own conscience, or am I really doing this because yeah. it's the right thing to do? If you're doing it to clear your own conscience at the expense of someone else, that's right. not okay. Part of the responsibility is living with what your mistake is and accepting it for yourself and forgiving yourself. You don't really need the forgiveness yeah. of others at the expense of mm-hmm. others 
to forgive yourself. It's no. that internal work, right? That's that connection with the higher power. And that's really the work. So if it's tangible, I take these, I stole these years ago, make restitution because you're not going to hurt the other person by saying, you know what? I didn't pay you for the coat. I'm going to give you some interest. But if you cheated with someone's husband or wife. Oh, you don't say. You don't need yeah. to go tell them. You have to live with that, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's where I did that. Yep. And the only reason I'm talking about this is because someone said to me that was in recovery said, do you read, go read your ninth step. And I was like, oh, right. and then I read the ninth step. Then I had to call my sponsor. And that was explained to me. So I really like that. And for me, it's uh, it's uh, contingent on the spiritual maintenance, right? Through the day, right? So my well-being, yeah. my presence in the world is contingent on the work that I do in the morning to prepare myself for the day. Sometimes you can start your day over, right? So it is all about that. And it's awesome. I don't know. If I think, would I ever trade what I have today? <laughs> not in a million years. I love what I have. And I'm not rich, but I'm rich in my soul. Yeah, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Everything I have in my life today, I owe to those moments, that program, my sponsors. I had a sponsor that was like um, Aunt Clara from Bewitched. Her name was Marguerite Lee. <sighs> she passed away, but she loved me, called me her exotic bird because I had blue hair and I used to wear thigh boots and spandex <laughs> pants and studded bras. <laughs> I was like this goth person that would come and I was determined and, and they were like, oh my God, this look at this one here. But they, they said, keep That's coming right. back. And yes. I did. And you're right. It's the, and the definition of wealth. I love the way you just said, I'm not rich, but I'm rich. In, I'm not rich but I'm rich in spirit. I, I have so identify with what you said because that is the richness of a spiritual life with a consistent spiritual practice is wealth. You can't touch it. You can't touch this. I right? believe that yes. it's wealth. You can't. You can't touch that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? You mm -hmm. can't. We have to take a little break now. More with Captain Sandy when we come back. Don't go anywhere. And we're back with Captain Sandy. Okay, Captain Sandy, my next question is, you, you know, I, I'm dying to find out here, how the heck did you come to Hay House with this book? I mean, you know, that Be the Calm or Be the Storm. This is, It's such a great book. I want to know how that journey came around. And I do want to go back and talk a little bit also about some of your experiences as the super yacht captain, because you always have on the show, you always have so many like beautiful sayings that, you know, really help people. So you walk your talk. You definitely walk, you walk it on the boat. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you. I uh, ne never thought of writing a book, not an author, right? Just honestly, everything that's happened in my life has been boom. Um, another one of those moments where the fans, you know, they're like, we, you need a leadership book. Where's your book? Like thousands of messages. And, you know, when you're just walking through life, doing the next right thing, just giving back to society instead of taking all the time, yeah. people cross your path and they cross your path because it's that moment in time that you're ready, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. The person appeared, the agent appeared. Next thing you know, I'm sitting down with this agent, uh, Nicole, and she talked me through it, walked me through it. Fascinating world, the book world. I had no idea that they do auctions. I'm like, you're auctioning me off. You know, it's like the most bizarre thing. Uh, you get, there were like seven bidders and it was fascinating. And I read Louise Hay, Hay House, Louise Hay, from the time I got sober, it was re it was almost like required reading in the program. Although it wasn't, everybody was reading the books. Yeah, and I would have never thought yeah. in my life that I would be paired with Hay House, a book that was written that helped me with the affirmations to improve self confidence, um, you know, self esteem, all that mm -hmm. stuff that I learned with Louise Hay that I'm actually going to be published uh -huh. by Hay House. It was like so fitting, so uh. incredible. And it, that's how it happened. The fans, 
uh, alignment uh, with a, a woman that I was, you know, I read the books and in my early sobriety uh, to today. And that's how we created this book. And through the TV show, Bravo's done a great thing. It's reached millions of Americans. It gives people hope out there. There are jobs in the maritime industry. I'm so grateful to be a part of that. And I wanted to put uh, my life before I got sober in the book because I think it's really important that people can see how you can change. And um, I always say I'm Sandy. I, my career choice, well, wasn't my choice. It kind of fell in my lap. I'm a in the maritime industry. I'm a yacht captain. And I happened to be on a TV show. And now I'm a Hay House author. It, it's just incredible. But I never forget where my feet are. Never. And I know that, mm-hmm, you know, that I am here because I'm meant to be. And that comes with responsibility. And part of that responsibility is to take, do that self-care, do those checks, connect with the spirit and just show up. And as tired as I am, I continue to show up because I know the energy that I get from showing up is tenfold. And there's a lot of humility and gratitude I'm hearing from you. You know, I think, I I don't know if that's true for you too, but for me, gratitude is the fuel. Like we got a second chance. I got a second chance. Sounds You got a second chance. Just like a lot of chances. We did. And we have to show to people that it's possible, right? And it's possible. We can and do change if we are willing... And you don't have to be in a 12-step program. It just so happens, I know this this show, me and Sandy are both, you know, we both come from the same egg, (laughs) same egg. But the truth is, is that when you put a spiritual life as your priority, that's your first priority, and live in 24-hour compartments. And we take that day and we commit that day to spirit and and then ask, what is my next right action? Uh, Then literally everything falls into place, even if you make mistakes, even if you recognize that some of your old patterns come up or whatever, it's, life is very doable, but you change in ways, you transform in ways that you couldn't even imagine, like that life you have, Sandy, you couldn't have imagined it. Not at all, not in a million years. (laughs) And I love what you said, like in daily life, like if you really want to work on yourself, get into a relationship. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because that's when the other work begins, you know, like, and that's, uh, it's beautiful in so many ways and then challenging in a lot of other ways. But at the end of the day, like that mirroring and that work mm-hmm. and admitting your own faults and make, and saying, I'm really sorry, like mm-hmm. having the, and given the grace to be able to have a do-over is incredible. And it's through this program, I am who I am because I am sober and clean from drugs that I am where I am. And I know that. I will never forget that. And the gratitude list is something that I'm told to do on a regular basis, which it's a habit, right? It takes 30 days to form a habit, whatever it is. It takes yep. 30 days. And when you start making those gratitude lists, that's when the humility and the and the grateful heart comes in. Because you look, mm-hmm. if you're like, you know, got bills and you're like, oh my God, I can't, what is that bill? It's piling up and <laughs> all this stuff is happening. And But for today, I have everything I need, right? I have food in my fridge. Mm-hmm. I have a, you know, car in my driveway. I have gas in it. The little things that I never had before. I can never let go of, what it was like. Like I didn't have food in the fridge. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a driver's license. Today I'm responsible mm-hmm. of a driver's license. Those little things you go back to and say, what am I complaining about? I can pay this. If I can pay $5 a week on furniture that I was never intended to pay, I'm sure I could work <laughs> out a deal with this and pay that bill off. You know, it's, I love that even the analogy of paying the bills, right? I mean, not even looking at the specifics of it, but when it's taking care of our obligations and what we're truly accountable for. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like in that's in all areas, you know, and you do it a day at a time, right? It's, and you can do it a little bit at a time. There was times where, you know, I wasn't willing to be forgiving, for example, you know, cause I felt 
it, it makes you feel vulnerable. Sometimes if somebody does something to you or accuses you wrongly of something or whatever, you want to be resentful. But then it's like, no, I don't, right? It's like, I want to forgive that person because I don't feel good, right? So so then you, that you get there. It's like, I, I had to be willing to be willing to be willing. And then I'm willing, I'm going to do it. And then it goes to, I do it. So there's these sometimes stages it takes. It's getting and being patient with yourself, but doing one thing a day to move you towards that freedom because spirituality is freedom. It's a genuine freedom. That's right. You know, it really is. Look at Mandela. He sat in prison for all those years, you know, like he, and he talks about this, how he was confined, but he wasn't confined Mm -hmm. because mentally he was connected. To hear his story is so empowering. Now, I would never want to have to like have that experience to, you know, find that out. But it was, it's fascinating because you're right. If it's, it's in here and in here, like this connects with this. And if this is right and you have that joy and that Mm -hmm. spirit and that connection, this suddenly gets clear. It really does, you know, and, and being able to slow down and take an inventory and seeing what am I accountable for? What's my part in it? And then realizing sometimes, and also surrendering to the fact that sometimes you just can't have an impact on, on another person or a situation because they're not receptive to it. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's also because you don't do amends and you don't, take responsibility so that somebody else will behave a certain way. We have no control over that, right? It's why it has to be us to do it first for us. We are doing it to clean house, right? you know, to clean house. It's, it's so important. Yes. And sometimes there is no, and sometimes there's just, you don't have an impact on how another person feels or thinks. And that's the relationship piece that you talk about too. We're in community with others and we have to be responsible for our side of the street. But oftentimes when people want us to be responsible for their side of the street too, that's when that's that's when the discernment comes in. And because we cause more damage, I think, when we try to fix somebody else too, you know, like, oh, don't feel like that. I'll I'll turn myself into a pretzel for you, which is which is why everybody goes to Al Anon. <laughs> right. So codependent, right? So yeah. You have to learn how not to be codependent. Because I think we kind of like are when we come totally. in. You know, like we were just so guilt ridden that we we're like taking care of others because it makes us yep. feel better temporarily. Mm-hmm. And then you lose yourself. Yeah. That codependency. Yeah. That's another book we read. Codependent No More. Like, yeah, I read that. Melody Beattie. You know, it was like required. Yeah. So it seems that you and I were reading the same books. I had the same experience too with Hay House. Like I, I read Louise Hay. I remember being really struck by Marianne Williamson's book, A Return to Love, because I think she published it back in 1987 or 89. I don't remember. But, you know, all those, that those early Shakti Gawain, remember that book? Like Creative Visualization. Like yes, I, absolutely. I read, I read, read the OGs. All. Yeah, right? I did the Course of, yeah. And I did the, the course, course of Miracles, Miracles for a year, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because it was miraculous, and it still is. And we're and, seekers. Yeah, we're seekers, right? So we seek. And if you're, and when, that's what transforms in a person when they get clean, right? You, yeah. you continually seek, and you try different things. And they say that if that doesn't resonate, try this, try this, try this. Don't be afraid to try. Right. And just do it. And then you can decide, this isn't working for me. Try something else. Like everything I've ever been involved in, Course of Marianne Williamson, love, read them all. You know, like it works. Road Less Traveled, like such a great read. Right? Yeah. I mean, what was the one that was uh, healing the shame that binds? That was life changing. So let's go to, because you're very, you know, you're, in front of us, you know, on television. And I want to know, how do you stay so positive, like during storms, right? And and then I want to talk about your book, because I think it's important to talk about what's in the book and, you know, what you're bringing to us. But how do you do that? Because I noticed that you, like everybody's mama. <laughs> on, on TV, um, listen, over years, I've been doing this a long time. I was never, in the beginning, it was a learning, like everything, right? Learning of different personalities, different nationalities, language, barriers. And I grew up, no matter how dysfunctional my family was, we were always taught to be kind. That was in me. And I think also when I had that first connection with a higher power was the sweetness in the soul. And I just think that's someone's kid, 
you know, like it could be one of my family members. And I always try the approach of encouragement, not discouragement, because you, you, mm-hmm. when you're in leadership, yep. you want to make sure that, first of all, you don't want to go through people. You don't want to tear their soul down. You want to build them up. You want to build something of trust. And when I step on a boat, I always say to the crew, I trust you. And, you know, I trust you and I respect you. Mm-hmm. They, you don't, I don't expect you to trust me. I don't expect you to respect me as a person, but you need to respect the position I hold. And I know it's my job in leadership to earn their trust and their respect in the time that we are doing this season together. I don't set out to do that. I set mm-hmm. out to do my job. And they see how I have their back and right. then I show up for them, right? I help them wash the dishes, take the garbage out. I don't go to bed and say, bring me coffee. Where's my lunch? Um, like a lot of captains do. I, I'm i <laughs> on the ground with them and I help them. And that's when I earn their respect. And they see how I have their back mm-hmm. when it comes to the clients and I stick up for them. And that's when I earn their trust. And by the end of the season, we have this beautiful working relationship. And that's how I do it. I have my moments. Trust me, I'm a human being. I go in my cabin. I call Leah. I call my sponsor. I call my friend Randy Gold. And I just like, <laughs> you know, bah! and <laughs> I need yeah. to get off this boat. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I'll come out of my cabin prepared. I, you know, connect with my higher power. And I just like, I reset myself. And a lot of times when I can't go in my cabin, I look at where my feet are, look down, take a breath, look up and then respond. These things that we learn uh, by getting clean and sober and that and doing that work in those 12 steps. We learn mm-hmm. how to pause. We learn how to treat others. We learn this. It's all learned. Okay, so I did this through the years. And that's made me yeah. who I am today as a captain. And I've, I love what I do and I love people. And, you know, the book is everything that I have experienced before Below Deck uh, is in that book with my former crew and how we work through things and storms and the threat of pirates together. And and honestly, the constant and everything I've done in my life at sea that's in that book is my connection to a higher power. My connection. And that's mm. what drives me. Is there a specific spiritual experience or moment of clarity yes. or even spiritual? Many. <laughs> yeah, that, that's had a profound... Okay. Yeah. yeah, let's hear some. On Anchor. <laughs> Off of Formentera, Majorca, which is northwest Majorca. And this beautiful anchorage, rocks around us, beautiful. The storm comes. The wind out of nowhere. All of a sudden, we're dragging anchor. have people on the bow. The rain is coming. The owner's on board. I close my eyes, and I'm go- I said, God, please. And that second that I said that, my chief student, Nicole, put her hand on my shoulder and said, you're doing a great job. She didn't hear me say, God, please. She didn't hear that. I was silent. Right. And that was God saying to me, you're doing great. Don't stop. That was a spiritual experience. I'll never forget it. You know, I have these moments because to me, it's in the action of the desperation of, Mm -hmm. am I doing the right thing? And when you have those moments, Mm -hmm. it's these little, the people that touch you, that say things to you. That's the message. That's the spiritual awakening or experience. Mm -hmm. I've had many, especially mm-hmm. at sea, uh, when in, in those moments where you're like freaking out because am I doing the right thing? I mean, look, look where I came from. People trust me. I got these lives in my hand. What is happening? I've had a lot mm-hmm. of that. And also personally, you know, where you have these ding, that feeling of this mm-hmm. is what I'm supposed to do. Those are spiritual experiences for me. It's the subtle things and you know the, the two boats in the helicopter story where right. the, it's like a flood. The guy's like, you know, the little boat comes, I'm going to rescue you. And he's like, I'm going to wait for God to save me. The second boat comes, he's on the second floor. I'm going to wait for God to save me. He's on the roof. The helicopter comes. I'm going to wait for God to save me. He drowns. He goes to heaven. And he goes, why didn't you save me, God? He goes, I sent two boats in a helicopter. Helicopter, right. <laughs> and that's how I feel. And the world works like that. So that story, yeah. the two two boats and a helicopter, is really that how the world works as our oracle, you know, because it's always speaking to us. It's like 
the universe or conscious universe or God or spirit speaks through people often to us just when we need it. Yeah. Right? Just in that moment. Any other wild, amazing thing happened uh, that really stuck with you? You know, the I, I had a fire in the Red Sea, you know, off the coast of Yemen Whoa. during a civil war right after President Bush was reelected, two years after September 11th. And, you know, I, I remember... Uh, the fire, the crew, everything was happening. And I got so calm. Mm. I, I remember praying, I really need some help here, dude. Cause I call my <laughs> higher power dude, whatever I want to call him. Oh, yeah. you know, I, I can use your help here, dude. You know, so, and I got so calm and so clear in that moment of what to do next. Mm. It was like, the manual of how to do it was in front of me. That's the clarity I mm. had. And for me, every time that I've been in those moments, I ask for help. I ask silently. I'm not a ver you know, I don't do it out loud. Mm -hmm. So everybody around me is freaking out like, oh my God, the captain's praying. Holy <laughs> shit, we're all going <laughs> to go down. <laughs> you know, it's like, I do it where I don't frighten others. You know, I do it because I'm frightened, mm -hmm. you know, in that moment and not clear on what to do next. And that's when I have those moments. Please mm -hmm. help me here. And yeah, it's the clarity. That, and then it comes. It's when we yes. really, because what we're doing is surrendering to the power that is not us. Like who's large and in charge? Not I. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's the rem remembering that, okay, yeah. I'm not in charge here. I need the help, but I'm surrendered to it. And it's like, thy will be done through me. So so we we're, I always say, use me as thou yeah. wilt. I think even that's one of the prayers, you know. Relieve me of the bondage of self so that I may better do thy will. Let there be light. Right. You know, that, that through me, thy will be done through me. So it's really like saying, to use me as your, as your instrument. And bam, yeah. there it is. The, the manual, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't forget those moments. I, I know you just don't forget those moments. Let's talk about your understanding of leadership because that's, you know, a lot of what the book is about. What does personal growth play in effective leadership? And that's for anybody. So to lead others, you need to learn to lead yourself first, right? So that's that self-work. I always, I speak a lot in, uh, to corporations. And if you're a mother and you have a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old, you just have a fight and you're a CEO of a company or a manager, you have that energy in your car how do you show up at work? How do you change that, right? So you've got to find tools that work for you to shift the mindset before you walk into work. And you got piles of paperwork and your staff isn't showing up and you're ready to lose your mind because you just had it with your kid or your husband or whatever. And um, the tools for me that I utilize is music. I'll play a happy song in the car, a song that resets uh -huh. the brain. And when you step into that corporate world or wherever you go to work, you're able to reset that. So that's part of that self-leadership in order to lead others. Colin Powell does a great speech. You can Google it. It's a leadership speech that he does. It's a press conference. And it's so fascinating how you can't show them that you're cold, hungry, and tired. You know, like you can't, you have to show up as, as a presence of leadership that exudes this feeling that you can conquer the world together, that you bring your team together, that we are going to get through this. Mm -hmm. These rough seas will calm down, right? Like we will dock again. We will refuel. You will get rest. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you got to show up mm -hmm. in that way where you empower them, no matter how tired they are, how hungry you are. You have to show up in a way that you're not hungry, that you're not tired, that you can lift them up when they're tired, that you'll pick up and help them like I do in the kitchen, like wash the dishes, take the mm -hmm. garbage out. That's leadership. Leadership is doing for them in the moments where they can't do for themselves. And that's not saying they're not doing their job. That's saying that you're, yeah. you're, you're helping them do their job. And a lot of times it's also stepping back and saying, make those mistakes so they course correct, right? So when I give someone a job description that's very thorough and we talk it through, now it is their job to take that job description 
and put it to use, right? And implement it into their world. And sometimes they make mistakes. You got to allow that, but not mm-hmm. bang them down. Just say, well, that was a learning curve, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and empower right. them. So that's what I do. So in order to lead others, you need to have that self-leadership and that's that self-care, checking yourself, checking your, where your feet are and staying in the moment. And I, I learned this from someone. It wasn't, this isn't my material, uh, past thinkers are usually in, are very depressed and just like gloom and doom. Forward thinkers are usually anxiety ridden and oh my God, what's going to happen? And as a leader, you need to be a present mm-hmm. thinker. You can't be back there. You can't be ahead. Of course, you have projections. However, you need to be present with your team. And that's really mm-hmm. what I try to do every day. And some days I, I'm not great at it. And that's when I do that self-check and the little, my little toolbox that I have of these little things that work for me, music is a big one, big. I have a set of songs that I go mm-hmm. to, I hear new music, I add it to my set list, and I'll pop in my cabin, reset my brain, come out going, yeah, I got this. Oh, I love that, I love that. Let's pull a card together and see if there's anything else that we could be talking about. Yes, Is that okay with you? An oracle card? Yes, I'd love what's that. what's our next right action yeah. to talk about? Would you like that? Sure. All right. So I'm going to pick a card. Actually, I'm going to pick a card from Wisdom of the Oracle. It's a different deck. It's the one that I teach I with. And uh, I have a feeling. All right. So let's see what the universe wants to talk about today. Let's see. Okay, we're going to pick a card. Is there anything else we should be talking about today? Yes, fairness. I love the card. Let's talk about this card. It's called To Be Fair, and it's about how we engage um, with others that where we can bring in balance and fairness. So any, any story that you have quickly that brings to mind this idea that how does this operate for you? Let's talk about relationships, right? personal relationships. I think, yeah, so it's perfect. When I do something that triggers Leah, I have to be fair and allow that space for us to have that conversation and not point the fingers. I think fairness, even with my crew, right? So I just always want to be fair in a negotiation, right? So if I go back and in a negotiation for financial, you know, I get paid, right? So I want to be fair. I don't want to like you, I am this and I deserve this and I want to make this. It is what is fair. So I try to put myself in their shoes, in my shoes, and try to come to the middle. And Mm -hmm. I just, that's how I lead. That is how I lead in fairness. And if you interview anybody, I guarantee you they'll say, Sandy's fair. Like, I try to be fair. I'm not always kind, even though I... I want to always be kind. My fairness doesn't come across as kind, but I'm fair, you know? <laughs> I know yeah. what you mean. I guess that's it. I don't really know how to describe it because I live it. I love it. I just that. live it. Well, we see that on the show, really. We see the sense of fairness that you, and sometimes tough love is being fair. Just to say, hey, I'm not going to rescue you. I'm going to have you participate in your own rescue. And that's the fair thing to do sometimes, right? It's like you, you stay out of a conversation sometimes that would be the fair thing to do. I mean, it really is interesting. Okay, Captain Sandy, we're going to take a little break now. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears and enter into another dimension of the Wooniverse, the Tea Time After Party. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us today. And welcome back with us today is renowned super yacht captain and one of the leads of Bravo's Below Deck, Captain Sandy Yawn. Um, We have time to go quickly into the tea time after party for some fun with Connie, our executive producer, Connie Deletti's here. So happy to be here. (laughs) Yay. All righty. I'm going to ask, start with a question. If animals could talk, what type of animal would you like to have a conversation with? A puppy. I love puppies. So I would have definitely a dog. (laughs) That's to Captain Sam. A puppy. So if you could be fluent in any language, you've traveled so far and wide. So if you could be fluent in any language overnight, what language would you like to be fluent in? Okay, so I would, you know, I'd speak fluent Italian because I love Italians. They are so romantic. It is such a romance country. It's romantic, like Italy. It is all about the romance. France is all about, being in the south of France is all about being sexy. No, I go to Italy. (laughs) I literally do, yeah. 
just jaw yeah. thoughts. <laughs> and you're just naturally sexy yeah. because yeah, that's yeah. just yeah. the way it is. You don't have to try. <laughs> yeah. Okay, if you could be any supernatural creature, what would you be and why? Supernatural creature. Um, what would my superpower be? Maybe a mermaid. Yeah, a uh, mermaid. So if I could be a supernatural a creature. <laughs> well, I'd be a puppy. Maybe okay. mer- we're picking for you now, On Sandy. Oh, oh, mermaid. We're going to pick okay, mermaid. So, okay, so. Okay, mermaid. That works. <laughs> yeah. You're Pisces, you're a mer- mermaid. And you don't have to say why because we pick. Because, see, I'm not creative. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. We're good. We're good. Love it. Thank you so much, Sandy. To learn more about Captain Sandy and her book, her podcast and television series, please visit her at CaptainSandyYawn.com. And as always, for a summary, quotes, links, and a transcript of this awesome conversation, visit us on our show notes page by clicking the link in this episode's description or by heading on over to ITWpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, Captain Sandy. We love you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So what did we learn today? Yeah, I think what I really got out of what she said about herself and what we both, you know, shared in common, but the idea that spirit comes first, that the higher power comes first, that we're accountable for no matter what goes on in our lives, there's always a part that we play. So accountability is really, really key through everything that she talked about, about, you know, being present to life on life's terms and also self-forgiveness is really huge too. We're not going to do life perfectly. And uh, I just loved her stories, period. But anyway, until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Be well. Time to share the way we love Become the ones we're dreaming of Inside the Wooniverse is a production of Universal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuis, executive producer, Connie Deletti, story editor, Julie Fink, and audio post-production by Lonnie Carmichael. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert at Summa Recording. Original music Truth Begins is by Colette Baron-Reed and Eric Ross. And all other music is courtesy of APM Music. Keep up to date on episode releases, giveaways, and special offers by signing up for Colette's newsletter at itwpodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Thank you again for listening. And we hope you join us next time for another episode of Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.